special guest in the office today, or the studio. I, I, why do I keep calling it office in the studio? Mr. Shell Black. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Got a sound drop for that. Yeah. I was the ready. Fam- the famous Mr. Whiteboard himself. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm a good day, sir podcast super fan <laughs> you are you listen more than my mom does <laughs> i'm <laughs> texting and i'm texting john little snippets as i'm I'm listening to it in the middle of the night oh this is hilarious by by our calculations you are one third of our audience <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we got uh, my brother in guam my mom and now shell yeah I, none of my family listens, i was gonna say so. where's your family no. man they need to pick up the slack nope they are no good slackers yep so shell you're coming back from uh the MVP thing, and we're going to get to that, but uh, we want to cover some news first, I think. Okay, let's do it. Uh, how do you guys feel about um, coffee? Well, I enjoy it. I'm enjoying it right now. I We've talked about coffee too. a couple of times. We talked about uh, coffee that has been pooped and roasted. See, John always drops these loaded questions. Like, you know, <laughs> he, unless you didn't even answer, because you know he's going somewhere with this. Of course I'm going somewhere with this. is not an this. innocent question. <laughs> So did you know that now in California, I believe this is California. I mean, I don't know where else you would be able to do this. Um, you can get your morning coffee with uh, a little cannabis inside of it. Yeah, you get a little pick-me-up out mm. of it. Yeah, like sativa or indica? I know my cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> you know it better than I do. <laughs> and not because I consume week. it, but I have so many friends that do. <laughs> so apparently this is actually in Seattle. So I came across this article. And since we're talking about coffee, we've, been, we've covered it a few times. I figured I'd bring it up, but it's like, get high every morning with mar- marijuana K-cups. So it's not only just that it's got it in it, it's in those K-cups. So you get that that really nice, easy, what? single serve. Are these official sanctioned K-cups? Uncle Ike's Pot Shop of Seattle sells pods of premium infused coffee containing 10 milligrams of THC for $10 each. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. an interesting commercial application of marijuana, coffee. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Seems like that would have an adverse effect. You're trying to get a stimulant and it's a downer <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> you, could, you get stimulated and calmed at the same time. You're not, yeah. It I could mean, be a good solution for these guys around the office that drink way too much coffee. You know, they're just like jittery and loud and talk a million miles an hour. Perpetually shaking. Yeah, I think like, I'm developing the shakes with as much coffee as I drink. It well, could be bad because then it's going to stimulate more donut consumption in the morning. That's true. I know. <laughs> I didn't think about that. There's always a side effect. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I hear I was about to place my order. No, I I don't know how you get that. I think you have to have one of those prescriptions that say you can, that everyone in California has for some reason. Yeah. You can just like walk yeah, down the street right. and they have it. It's basically legal, right? Yeah. De facto. Well, another item I came across, um, I didn't know this existed, but I guess in San Francisco, or at least in California in the area, they have the concept of a private bus. So it's basically a bus that you pay $6 to ride. So it's this premium cost bus. It's like decorated all inside with real wood. It's got, you know, Wi-Fi built in. You've got, you know, it's kind of like this upscale coffee shop setting. So instead of, you know, riding the bus with, you know, the public transit and everything, you're riding this, um, this bus. So it's like, it's like a, <clears throat> a normal bus, sans vomit and urine. Yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, Salesforce has their own private buses, just like Google that are running around. So they have a blue line and a red line. Yeah. And for example, if you're working in San Francisco, you can get picked up at the San Mateo office and get on the blue line or yeah. red line. And they've got their own Google like buses shuttling their employees around to the different offices. It's pretty cool. 
So are these uh, are these like really upscale poshy things, or they're just like standard buses? From the outside, they look like a. Um, they don't look like a city bus. They look like a private coach. I guess you would say, mm-hmm. like you would do for like if you're in a tourist group or something like that, and you got a bunch of tourists. Can't say what the inside looks like. Looks like I've never been in one. I've just known when I was at the San Mateo office, and also when we were down at Dreamforce. If you look closely, you'll see them. Interesting, cruising around. We were just kind of talking about that. Has do you know if Salesforce has had any issues like being? You know, do you remember how was it Google or someone was? You know, they were being protested for. Um, I think it was like you know the whole causing rents to go up. These these giant their Bay, footprint the Bay Area companies that are driving you know causing rents to get driven up so much and um they even what was the guy's name Kevin Rose uh, the dig guy they were like. Like he had to call the cops. They were like, you know, pro- they got bad. Like they were threatening to kill him and stuff. But yeah, I think the Google buses, they were, you know, egging the buses and, you know, stopping them from going or whatever. That's, I think, because we were talking about that. It's like any of, any of these big Bay Area companies, especially, I mean, Salesforce is one of the few that's actually in San Francisco, right? I mean, Google's in Mountain, Mountain View, View. Yeah, Mountain View. Yeah. Right. So, you know, they're right there in San Francisco. Um, But, you know, Benioff does a lot of preemptive work in terms of uh, charity and the social, what do you call it? Activism, I guess. He's kind of like on their side in a way. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that will, you know, help them avoid some of that stuff. It might. So would you guys pay $6 to ride a bus every morning to work? I've been in San Francisco. I've ridden the public transportation. It gets pretty crowded. Bart? Yeah. <laughs> I was just walk. I never. And it, it's, it's, never. it's further hampered by the fact that you go like downhill 45 degrees. So everyone gets like smashed up to, <laughs> in, together. <laughs> you're all trying to hold on as much as you can, but you're, you're inevitably going to get smashed up with somebody. And they've got some 40 degree inclines. <laughs> so I, I think I, I mean, might actually pay six bucks to, to ride a nice bus that's a little more exclusive. But anyways, the reason I bring it up, it's called Leap, and they actually, it made news because they kind of got shut down um, temporarily because of some public regulation thing that they're having to work yeah, past. It's just like how these cities are trying to shut down Uber yep. and the ride shares. But guess who's an investor? Mr. Mark Benioff himself. He is, or Salesforce he Ventures? Is. Well, Mark it's is. Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff is, is the name. Oh, he probably is. And, you know, so. Yeah. I'm sure he can make a few phone calls and get that problem fixed. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's why you have investors like him, right? That's one of the reasons I can help you deal with those. Yeah, well, maybe he'll, uh, since they're shut down for that, maybe he'll, you know, start them up for the Dreamforce conference and we can all get ride that bus instead. How close is our hotel? I think you're staying at the same hotel, Shell. Uh, or at the Marriott. The Marriott, Marquee. Yeah. yeah, it's at the epicenter if you're at the Marquee. Because a lot of the sessions are at the Marquee and it's oh, from Moscone, you know, is it walkable? Oh, two blocks. Okay, great. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, it's, like I said, it's, it's where I like to say because it's less walking. And sometimes with these Dreamforce sessions, if you're at the Hilton or something like that and you're trying to get to a session, it could be a 20-minute hike and you'll miss half of it. So I try to be as central as possible. Of course, yeah. you pay a little bit for that. Thing is, if you're going... I, the last time I was there, which was a few years ago, most of the developer sessions were weren't at... The Moscone, they were elsewhere. They were in the other satellite hotels. It seemed like they tried to keep the admin and, and all that kind of stuff central. And all that other stuff was kind of in the outskirts. And that meant either catching the bus that they provide or you're hiking and, you know, bring comfortable shoes because you're going to be going up 
45 degrees. And I forgot to put myself on do not disturb. Ah, oh, John. <laughs> Busted. Um, so developer stuff is far away. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's still the case, but I assume it will be. That's just the way it started playing out. Well, the admin zone and the developer zone is going to be back second floor Moscone West this year. So it's going to be pretty close if you want to go to those zones. And that's where you can get you know, some of the literature in the books that's available. Um, the keynote, developer keynote, was there last year in Moscone West. Yeah, the year I was there, it was it was there as well. So now the actual sessions and tracks may not be, but there's a, yeah. should be a, a developer hotspot over there. It's going to be in the same place as last year. You normally do sessions at Dreamforce? I've spoke the last two years on different stuff, and then um, kind of jockeying right now for sessions. A lot of those sessions are coming to a close, so um, had some discussions actually at the MVP event about helping out in a couple of sessions. So we might do something on the partner side about being a partner. Geraldine Gray, who's also a Salesforce MVP, who runs Indium uh, out of Houston. Um, we did a, a session two years ago on starting a consulting practice, and then we're thinking about doing one you know, two, three years later, what have we learned hmm. type of thing about other <clears throat> hard lessons for folks thinking about getting into consulting. Turns out business is hard. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that'll ever change. You're going to work no. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully, yeah, get another uh, session or two. I always enjoy it. Yeah, John applied, or what do you, What is it called? You're applying, I guess? You yeah, I, put, I submitted a topic, so we'll see if that gets approved. So Dreamforce, in terms of speaking, and this is not a like a big secret or anything, but they're, they're trying to go less for quantity and more in quality. So some, something that came out last year, what they're going to continue to do this year, stuff I can kind of talk about MVP some, but that's not NDA-ish, but you know, really popular sessions in the past, if you missed it or it filled up within a day, that was it. You know, you couldn't get into that session. So now they're taking the more popular sessions, watching them as they fill up, and then they'll allow them to repeat up to four times that week. So people can catch a big hot topic session uh, with that, which is great because before it was like, you know, we've got a bajillion sessions. You know, we'll, it's not the one, you know, the one you want gets sold out real quick. So if you're the presenter, you have to do the session multiple times. Yep. Okay. One yeah. thing I do like about having more sessions is, is the ability to kind of stack my schedule. Mm -hmm. Cause I would, I would ultimately go into a session thinking, Oh, this is something I'm going to be interested in and get there and go, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And what I did is I had a backup plan. So I knew where my next session or the session that I also wanted to attend that was at the same time. So I could walk out and go to that one instead. Yeah. The Dreamforce app. If they do it like last year, you know, they, you could pick one and then you could have like a favorite or whatever. So you could mm -hmm. go quick and have the backup. Yeah. A lot of times you get into a session and not that it's false advertising, but you get in about five minutes, 10 minutes, and you go, mm, this is not for me. And you, you're really going to want to have something else to go do. Uh, I, I don't encourage people to just sit there because you registered and listen to something you don't mm -hmm. want to. It's too valuable of time. Go, yeah. go have a backup. Vote with your feet. Do they do um, speaker reviews or session evaluations or whatever? Yes. Okay. Um, and it's it's looked at. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. Yeah, it's help drive content. And I think um, whether that, you want that person speaking again, but sure. they do want you to, to rate that. And that's actually, so if you're a Dreamforce partic participant, do it because it does drive a lot of uh, what Salesforce thinks about for topics and speakers. Yeah. So we got some um, news to cover, don't we, Jeremy? Uh, Salesforce uh, quarterly results. Yeah. So they just were released, like right as we started recording. 
and looks like they were pretty much right in line. Um, let's see. They technically beat estimates, I guess. So they came in like revenue was right where expected. So I think this is, this is for the quarter. Yeah. One and a half billion, 1.51, um, which is up year over year, uh, 22%. Um, and, uh, earnings were, of course, this is non-gap four, uh, I'm sorry, 16 cents, right? Is that what it was? Yes. And that, that was, uh, expectation was four, uh, 14 cents. So right. they were, they were two cents over. So that's good. They're up in after hours trading at uh, about, uh, up about $3, 14 cents. So that's almost 5%. So a little bump on that. So that's good. Um, I think their guidance also for the rest of the year, for the rest of the fiscal year is, uh, is fairly solid. So that helps, um, expects fiscal year 16 revenue of 6.52 to 6.55 billion. So, uh, they do expect to still be gap wise in the red for the, for the entire year. So that's still working on that, but yeah, but pretty much in We're line. No, tracking uh, good, man. Yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing necessarily good or bad about it. Just kind of status quo. Still have jobs, man. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Salesforce doesn't we still go. have work to do. <laughs> Salesforce does well, we do well. Yeah, that's true. And uh, is there any? Is there any? Do we need to do any follow up on the acquisition thing, or is that is that dead? No, that I mean, it's not probably dead. the only thing I'm going to say is that Bloomberg started it, and they will not let it go. Even when they're talking about these latest um, forecast numbers in their headline, it says Salesforce raises revenue forecast ahead of potential offers. It's still floating around there. Analysts are still talking about it, but most people who like the CEO of SAP is basically saying it, it's, it can't happen. There's no way. There's not enough. It's it. They're too big and they cost way too much for it to, to work. Their financials are, yeah. are would be would be toxic to any of the. We th- you know if you look at SAP, Oracle, Microsoft, IBM. Um, <clears throat> if you if you were to acquire Salesforce, you'd immediately dilute your your earnings and everything. And it just, it wouldn't make a lot of sense unless it was a really good strategic fit. And I think as we talked about all the potential suitors, it's like none of them were great strategic fits. Right. And so if it's not, yeah, a, we had a lot of, they could, you know, it might right. hurt for a while, you know, all those kind of things, but nothing was like, you know, this, this sounds perfect for, yeah. for X, Y, Z. And you'd have to pay, you know, there's a trading at 47 billion right now as the, um, as the market cap. And, you know, you'd have to pay. Don't you normally have to pay a, a premium when you do, when you buy a public company? So let's call it like fifty five billion. Yeah, and it just, uh, you know, I think if they had some profitability, it would it would complete that will completely that will dramatically change the the landscape when they when they kind of cross into that green territory. So was this a a thing when you were at the MVP? Did anybody even talk about it or even worry about this kind of rumor? Yeah, between MVPs, it came up, but. I was surprised it didn't come up that much. Yeah. I think we were really more focused about what we were hearing in sessions and stuff like that. I mean, in the back of my mind, it's, I mean, this conversation comes up, spins up. What if somebody bought Salesforce? What would that mean? It's a great conversation because it's fun to think about and the pros and cons. And a lot of times when you're looking at who the potential suitors could be, you can always find some angle where it makes sense. And you can always find some angle where it doesn't make sense, but it's like, it's a good, you know, over beer kind of conversation, but yeah, it, it, surprisingly at the MVP summit, it was not the focus. It's kind of a uh, um, a little bit of a scary prospect because it would. I mean, all of you guys that were at that MVP summit, I mean, it would probably have a dramatic effect on your business. I mean, you could end up with a essentially kind of a new boss, <laughs> you know. Um, 
Yeah, depending on how, if someone bought Salesforce, if they wanted to just let them have continual free reign and just go on as business than usual and, and not try to take over and impart or push down some kind of culture that doesn't fit. Yeah, if it if it's yeah. th- if it's the, the latter, then that could be scary because that that could wipe out you know like an MVP program or something like that, and say oh it's just a expensive marketing initiative or something. Well, you know, and usually the, one of the things they look they start looking at immediately is like this you know sales programs, commission programs, partner. Not just I'm not you know MVP is one thing. I mean, it would it would it wouldn't be nice to lose that, but as a as a partner. With Salesforce, that's also, you know, they, well, we're going to integrate the, you know, Salesforce's partner program into our partner program and, and, uh, normalize the two or, you know, which is like code word for, well, yeah, if, <laughs> Shut if, it down. If, if, well, not necessarily that, just whatever you were used to and the, the way it worked is no longer going to be the way it works. It's going to work the way that we've always done it. For example, if Microsoft bought Salesforce, well, they have dynamics and then, so they, they want those partners that are now Salesforce partners to push other Office 365 yeah. or something like that? Or do we need to become certified to be on a Microsoft technology to become a continue to be a, a partner? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You never know. Um, yeah, we're going to need you to sell um, SQL Server licenses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Along with okay. that cloud technology. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I mean, there you know there could be interesting upsides too. I mean, it could open up opportunities. So it's it's always it's kind of a mixed thing. But, but it's not even an if. I don't even think it's, well, it's this an is if. okay. So your point. It was Bloomberg. They they ran with a story based on a completely unsubstantiated rumor, right? Which, I mean, the only the only thing the seed of this that it could possibly have been true is was maybe Salesforce had retained like a banking firm to to consider. Uh, acquisition targets, you know, Salesforce acquiring someone. But I don't even think that happened. I think this was a completely made up rumor. And either Bloomberg, whoever reported it, kind of made it up or they they heard a rumor and just didn't didn't confirm it. It just there's just nothing there. Yeah. I have one other last comment on that Microsoft partner. I actually got a phone call the week before the summit, maybe it was two weeks before the summit. Basically it was for, it was a call from Microsoft saying Essentially, we have marketing co-op dollars to help you become a marketing as a Microsoft partner, and we know you're a Salesforce partner, but we'd like to bring you to Darkside. We've got some funds to help you with that. <laughs> That's kind of desperate, don't you think? There are a few. Of, there are a few of these partners that I think most of them that I'm aware of, anyway, through acquisition, are both Microsoft and Salesforce partners. But I don't. I don't think that business model works because neither vendor is comfortable with that. No, and then when a uh, when a customer is in the buying cycle, what do you recommend? Well, yeah. that's that's the catch twenty two because you've got but two people thing, you get revenue from. The thing I like about it though is now I can say, hey, I'm an unbiased consultant. I don't care whether you pick Microsoft or Salesforce, right? <laughs> Are you really? And, and, and I can no, because no one's ever unbiased. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but you know, I mean, if you're a Salesforce consultant, you're going to recommend Salesforce. That's what you know. I mean, it's just how can I help you implement Salesforce today, right? Yeah, I mean, well, let's take Salesforce, for example. I mean, a few years ago, or not even a few, let's say a decade ago, Salesforce wasn't that big of a system. Now it's so big, as as much as we try to stay stay up to date with everything, you can't know everything. No. Yeah. So splitting yeah. your attention between right. Dynamics and Salesforce, I don't think that, I don't think you're best serving your customers if your attention split like that. I agree. That. And even if your firm has two sides of the house, you know, I mean, which person at this consulting firm is going to be the expert that can consult expertly on both systems and right. give you unbiased guidance. There's, there really is no such thing. Right. 
we we've made a conscious decision as a company that we'd rather be good at one set of technologies than mediocre at two or more. Right. And that's what I, we look at it as a, a differentiator. You know, we're not your go-to for Amazon Web Services. We're not your go-to for SharePoint. We're not going to stand up your website. If it doesn't have a Salesforce play in the project, we're not your people. Right. And that that's a good way to go. I mean, there are definitely companies who will try to field every request they get. Oh, you want us to help you with, um, you know, your whatever, you know, your AWS or your Azure. Sure. Uh, yeah. Let us get back to you. We're in the, you know, they, they scramble to try to, you know, cause they start, you know, calling to see who they can, you know, bring in to, to do this. It's like, you know, just focus on what you do. Be good at it. I, I like that philosophy personally. Don't get distracted yeah. as, as speaking, you know, as one who's Jack of all trades, <laughs> I, <laughs> in a hypocrite type of way, I, I like that philosophy. Um, well, go ahead. No, I was going to say those are my topics. So whatever you got next, and then... I added, the, added this one thing, which was uh, Amazon is doing pop up, and the, I guess this is a kind of a metaphor, but like pop up um, shops in New York City, and it's they're and what do you mean by pop up? That's that's kind of the metaphor. It's like because you know when you think of a pop up store, I mean I I think of like a. Literally like a, it's like a tent or something almost. I think about those things at the mall. You get those center kiosks right. and things or, or whatever they're called. I guess kiosks. But no, they're, they're basically creating, um, I think like co-working, like a co-working environment. And so, you know, here's the, the tagline or the, the subtitle here is if you're in New York and you want free Wi-Fi, free food, and perhaps cloud architecture advice, Amazon <laughs> Web Services has a pop-up loft for you. So you go, you can work there. They've got internet and, you know, whatever you want and 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 they will help you with your AWS stuff. Interesting. Um, yeah. And what I didn't re- realize also is this is a this is a uh, a model that am- that someone else had started before. Um, okay. All these inventor. No. Anyway, someone else was doing this before. Um, but I- oh yeah, I- IBM had announced a Cloud Foundry dojo. So Cloud Foundry is a um, a VMware thing actually, which is now EMC and Pivotal, which is all confusing. All these acquisitions can't keep them straight. But it's basically like a, um, it's a, oh, it's a platform as a service stack. I guess is how you would describe it. So you know, if you want to build a what the people call cloud native application, so you're building a new application and it's going to be built from the beginning on cloud technologies, right? So that's what we call cloud native. But that's a cloud foundry is kind of like a stack you can build an app on. But yeah, so so IBM had a cloud foundry dojo. In Raleigh, so similar situation. Come in, you know, if you have a startup or I guess whatever, just you know, send your you're going to do a a new app, send a, send a few of your developers over and hang out with uh, IBM for a couple of weeks and get some advice. And I wonder if that's a way to because if you go to AWS, we have an AWS server. If you want to ask some questions or you just want to have some FaceTime, I mean, you don't want to pay a consultant for that time. You can get some free skinny on the technology by going to talk to somebody. Um, cause Amazon's, you know, it's a website, it's not a person. So no, it's not a person. I mean, <laughs> so it's an interesting concept cause some people do want to have that kind of face to face interaction and ask questions. And that's really hard to do on a website sometimes. So I guess it could make sense. It seems, you know, I guess try it. They've got the money to try different concepts and see if it has traction. Almost seems like a modified user group type thing. It kind of is. But that's got to be expensive to do, so I don't know if these are... It's probably time-limited, right? They'll try it for a few months and see what yeah. happens. Or it could also just be a PR kind of stunt, right? But that's kind of cool. And and not only are you getting... Uh, you know, it's not it's not just any old advice. 
like you said, Shell, it's like you're going to some consultant. This is it's from you know, they have like AWS engineers there. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, so it's cool. I know Salesforce used to have um, an incubator program. Do they still have that? You remember what that's like, gosh, at least five years ago, they started an incubator, rent out a couple floors in some building. And if you wanted to start up a new company and it was going to be, you know, you had an idea for an app built on Salesforce, you could go out there, they'd give you the space, they'd help you with it. I wonder what happened to that. I do I don't remember know. that. That yeah. was four or five years ago. Yeah. I do remember that. That's interesting. Um, I could be completely wrong about this, but I, I want to say that the, and I don't remember what it was called. There was a, an app exchange product that integrated, um, I think Google AdWords that Salesforce ended up buying. I believe that was out of that incubator. SFGA Salesforce for Google AdWords okay. was um, KD. Oh, you look up Shell Black SFGA. <laughs> I know I have it on my my blog Let's on see. what the acquisition was. But then evidently it, it died. They cut it off after a couple of years, and it was interesting because the company that I worked for was one of the biggest users of that SFGA. Oh yeah, and uh, we got a notice. Uh, like nine months before they turn it off, like, uh, yeah, we need to tell you this is going away. So start planning now because you're a big user of Salesforce for Google AdWords. <laughs> so what do they have now? Um, now it's all third party and really, yeah, they don't. There is no Google AdWords um, native inside the box. You have to go to an app mm-hmm. to get um, the tracking information pushed in. And there's some other ways you can do it, but it's on that blog post. The acquisition that became SFGA, Salesforce for Google AdWords. You'll see a lot of orgs that say SFGA, and people don't know what that is. It's the old remnants of Salesforce for Google AdWords. Yeah. yeah so this all happened in 2012. By your record, that's when you did your update. Well, he posted. Yeah, the original post was 2010. But yeah. does it say what it was? It started with a K. The company they acquired that became it. Is it in that post? Oh. Not to put you guys on the spot, yeah. but I don't have a computer in front of me. You guys do. Um, <laughs> Where's our, uh, this K- is the point of the show where we Google music. Kaiden? Kaiden? Kaiden, yeah. Kaiden? Yeah, it's in there. Okay. Yeah, it was an acquisition. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know if Salesforce, I'm sorry, I don't know if Google turned on turned off that feed mm. or what, but it went away. Yeah. Oh, I'm having like flashbacks here. Mm-hmm. Because I see screenshots of the old Salesforce. <laughs> like I said, the we classic were a huge, Salesforce. We were a huge user on it because we had a big Google AdWords account. So I was, yeah. I, we were we were running it. Yeah. Pardots. But yeah, it doesn't it, the, the whole back to the pop up thing though. That sounds not like something Salesforce would do. And I, I could have sworn that they've still got something like that going on there. <laughs> Especially with, um, and it makes sense because they're they're really. You know, they're all about this app exchange ecosystem. That really, I think, is I think something that they see is a definitely a a um, competitive advantage. Oh, absolutely, of the Salesforce oh, platform, right? Absolutely. I mean, I'm on calls with Salesforce account executives, all you know, multiple times a week, if not every day, <laughs> on one of those calls, <clears throat> and it's it's great. I mean, where can you say you've got this marketplace of widgets to extend the platform, so right. you don't have to build it? You can do it like. Who's going to go off and build DocuSign? No, just yeah. buy DocuSign. Right. 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 Exactly. Or even if it's just a, not even like an integration type app like that, but something that just enhances Salesforce. Sure, you could build it yourself or whatever. But I mean, that's how many times have you said, well, what's, you know, is, is it on the, is there something like this on the App Exchange? You know, it's, it's kind of a go to thing. You always search to see if there's an existing solution for half the time there is. And, and they've gotten a lot better. I mean, they, man, early on, there was some, quite a bit of junk out there. But I think having reviews helps. Um, because then you can see what people like and what people have good experience with in terms of the products. But the app exchange started what 2007, I think is what it started. Now there's, I believe so. 
And now we, what was it? You guys have commented like 3 million or 2 million downloads now through yeah. App Exchange. But I think you're right. At first, anything would go out there. And I think there was a lot of, wow, a custom object. That was it. That's the whole app. There wasn't some, you know, quality wasn't as great. But now they charge money for right. you to get published. And it's a lot more, um, you know, you just can't say, hey, I created something cool this week and I'm going to throw it on the App Exchange as an app and try to monetize it. Right. Which, which reminds me, I actually spoke to um, an unnamed ISV. This week, and I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. <laughs> he, they just finished a security review, or recently, and um, and I helped them with some of that. But then at some point, they were kind of just on their own and going back and forth with Salesforce. Um, and two two main takeaways from that: one is that they were just surprised at like what a beating that whole process was. The security review. And I don't know if they got. You know, I don't even know what the details were. Just it took them a long time, and they were really surprised. But the other, next thing was though, um, that Salesforce told them, as I don't know if this maybe just public information, you know, telling people um, that they're going to be cutting back the number of ISVs that they can even get on the App Exchange. And so my question was, well, how do they? How would they do that? Like, just you, you have to enter a lottery to see if you get a ticket to get on the App Exchange, or? They or, might just um, make it a little more restrictive. Like they it, might have, or like subjective, like, eh, we don't really like the idea of your app, you know. Or mm. there's consulting partners, are they called SIs? I forget what they're called, that are helping people get their app on the app exchange because they know the process and they can yes. kind of shepherd right that along. Um, and I could look up. I believe there's an MVP that works for one, Amber Boaz, who works for a. A consulting partner that it does a lot of that. I have to look up their company, but um, and maybe that's what they're thinking about is that they may want to have more specialty ISVs that help because they know the process and it's not just a once every other year type of process. Yeah, you know, from experience, that they're just getting a lot of people wasting their time. <laughs> I think that may be what it is, and and part of it, you know, they was it a, about a year or two ago they it you know it went from like I want to say like a two hundred dollar fee to be on the app exchange to now what is it two thousand or five thousand something um, like that yeah so they really I think it's five thousand so that's part of it i guess yeah. just raise the barrier to entry just you know make them put make you make you pay i'll give amber a, a shout out it's okay. code science is the company okay i've heard of them yeah. um, i just read actually they i was looking up something about salesforce continuous integration and they um what is that what they do they're like they help ISVs? i think it's one of the services i don't okay. know 100 percent, but i know that's um i think maybe part of her role as well is to help People get on the app exchange. John, make enough to call them to become a sponsor. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, I mean, anything to anything. Um, I, I think for a while the app exchange was in danger of just beca- becoming like this kind of very uh, like a, a minefield. <laughs> like there's some good stuff, but you got to watch out because there's some yeah some bad stuff out there. But it seems like it's gotten a lot better. I mean, I don't I don't do a lot yeah, of yeah. I mean, it's just going to take a lot of things like reviews, like you said, a lot of curation, you know, a lot of you know, different categories and things to help you find things better. And also as just, I think as a, as a function of Salesforce getting bigger and you know, it's that they're a $6 billion company, you know, they're doing $6 billion in revenue. Um, there's a lot more incentive for these bigger, more traditional or established um, software companies to either create a new product for on the app exchange or one of these like integration type product products, like, you know, uh, DocuSign is a good example, but um, you know, there's, I can't think of one right now, but there are, you know, big software companies that have made app exchange products. Now, there's just, a lot of smaller companies too um, that are just they 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 ha- they have clients who are using Salesforce and their application, and they want them to integrate. And so, 
they're out there trying to figure out if the app exchange is something they need to do as well. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of other people that make software with another specific use, I'm trying to think of the one we had a conversation today, um, was trying to integrate with Salesforce because it's the 800-pound gorilla. So if they can get on that ecosystem, that marketplace, they're going to get exposed to a bunch of other customers, potentially, that they didn't have before. And I, I'm just going to hit another quick segue topic on that. But, you know... <laughs> Poor admins out there. There was a statistic about like the average number of apps someone had downloaded. I think you guys had commented on that. And, you know, when you guys were talking about, you know, Salesforce is not an iPad. Yeah. You don't just <laughs> want to start downloading apps willy nilly and trying them out. Use a sandbox, you know. Right. How many, how many orgs have we been in where you get in a setup and there's just remnants of old stuff? Well, the worst is still unmanaged. Installed. The worst is unmanaged packages. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, thankfully, you have to. You can't. I don't think you can get unmanaged packages through the App Exchange. But no, a lot, I mean that's the whole point. They're unmanaged, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of unmanaged packages that Salesforce is even provided that you can go and download and install labs. Yeah, yeah just labs, different yeah. things, and or that people host, or that you can you know put on GitHub or whatever. And and the, the you know the downside to those is you install them, and they are just it just throws all the stuff off your org. It's kind of loose. They're not. It's not namespace. It's not protected. And can you uninstall those? I think you can. Yeah, you can uninstall them. It remembers mm-hmm. like all the items. It, it still installs them as a package. They're just unmanaged, which means you have access to all the code and all the everything's visible. There's no security permissions. There's no updating. There's no upgrading. You know, remote upgrading. I just I don't think that process would be as reliable as, as it is with a managed package. Like I wouldn't, you know, because when you install a managed package, like you can't edit their classes and things like that. Whereas you, if you install an unmanaged package, you can go in there and edit classes and do what you want, whatever you want. And when you go to uninstall that, that could actually break things that prevent it from uninstalling. So, yeah. mm. and I think with unmanaged packages, it all counts against your limits. I think with managed packages, it it segregates the yeah, limits. I think you're right. To that namespace, it depends if it's an Aloha app. So the mm-hmm. Aloha app makes sure it doesn't count against your limits. So if you got some app and it's going to bring in 20 custom objects or something like that. And right. But that requires certification, right? Yeah. I Which means you're in the managed. And I, and it has to be free, I think. Right. Or no. no? Okay. I, I, I remember this because when you apply, start the process for get becoming app, an app exchange product, there's, um, there's an option. Like, do you want this to be an Aloha app? And it's, there are certain qualifications. I thought it was, it had to be free, but maybe not. Maybe it is free, but I, I do know Aloha doesn't kind of get your your system limits, so it's kind of outside yeah. that. So, yeah. Uh, Aloha well, I love apps. the iPad analogy. You've used that one before. I just thought it was perfect. The only oh problem, the, the main difference between Salesforce and an iPad, though, is you can't reset it. <laughs> I can grab my kid's iPad and go, "Yeah, we're 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 starting from scratch, kiddo." <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is out on GitHub somewhere. There's a a, a set of code that will basically read your entire org and build a build a manifest process, and it will basically reset your org back to vanilla. Wow! Yeah, be careful with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I could use that for my developer orgs. I, I have so many developer orgs that I've done so much just stuff in testing things out that I'd love to reset it. It's very useful. Hmm. Quick reset button would be cool. Yeah. yeah. So should we talk about the summit? Yeah, let's the MVP summit. I expected a sound drop. I, I did too. <laughs> We're all looking at Jeremy, waiting for him to do his thing. Okay, let me hang on. Let me hit the button. MVP summit 2015. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that was 
awesome. Uh, Where's our hashtag yeah. safe harbor, man? Uh, that was the best. Oh, I don't have that. God, that was cracking me <laughs> yeah. up last week. Gosh, how did I, how did I, I got to get that on the soundboard. Me too. Anyway. Were we driving you nuts with all the tweeting? Okay. So let's talk about the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how people took our tweet or our comments. And when I didn't, I remember this from last year after, after a while, which, and when I noticed about the tweets is cause uh, well here. Okay. So uh, we're, all squirming we're talking, we're talking about, getting nervous. we're talking about a group of people. That, okay. We're talking about a group of people that part of what literally defines this group is that they are very active on social media. So of course there's gonna be a lot of tweeting. What I was reminded of from last year was that, they're basically content-free tweets. Like, cause I'm always, I mean, the reason, I mean, the main reason I use Twitter is cause that's, this is where like, I get my news from, right? I follow the right people. And so I get, I get the news I want, but they can't really, they don't, there's not much because it's, it's, a, it's under NDA. You can't really talk about the contents of it. So, so you get all this meta tweeting, mm-hmm. right? You get a lot of pictures of about, food about and the plane rides and, and the, and the <laughs> and I'm, parking you know, lots and planes and, uh, and, and the build up to it. The, ex, you know, I'm so excited and you know, a couple of cocktail so awesome. pictures yeah. here and there. <laughs> and, and so I'm just, you know, I'm like, okay. And I'm just kind of waiting in this, like really nothing from our perspective, just, you know, people who aren't MVPs are just kind of trying to find out what's going on and what the news it, is or whatever. It's, it's just like nothing, nothing happens. It kind of feels like they're just rubbing it in. They're like, Hey, we, we're, we're uh, on this, this free trip. No, no, we got this place. Yeah. Look at this, look at this cool menu. No. We're going to eat all this good food. Ha ha. I don't take it that way. I just, it's just, I don't know. So. And they're like, and how do you respond to that? <laughs> no, just, I mean, just, it just, unless I'm wrong, but I just think it is what it is. There's just not a lot they can say about what happens there. No, it's, it's very true. And for those who are listening that don't know the MVP program, I'm going to give a little definition of that so you can get some context. They're <laughs> like, why are these people at this event? And what are they doing besides drinking a lot? <laughs> I may have done that on that trip. Um, I know. I know what was happening there. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. <laughs> there you go, Jeremy. <laughs> So real quick, so a Salesforce MVP is a person that's been recognized for their community contributions. And everybody has these different channels. Could be LinkedIn, could be the answers board, could be your blog, could be a podcaster, whatever it might be. But it's folks that through altruism just want to help out, um, assist others, give knowledge. Um, and, and for Salesforce, I think, and we're also a brand evangelist too, right? Um, but we're there to educate promote is part of part of the role but you know the recognition of how we get found is you, you know you don't you don't uh you don't apply you get picked right so you have to be kind of recognized by your peers in the community to, to be an mvp and so i have i have a question about sure. that is it only mvps that can nominate or can other people just people in the community can say hey we think this guy's mvp material the latter so it's it's both so there is a window where uh you can the uh, nominations come out so the, the 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 classes of mvps align with the releases so there's a spring class summer and a winter class so when that window comes up nominations will come out and you'll see mvps saying hey here's the link to the form and that gets out there on social media and then the community can go submit and then MVPs will also nominate people as, as well. And then, so then what the process, if you guys didn't know, and maybe it is a secret, but it goes into a Google doc and we all look at it and we review it and we comment on who we know and what we think and, you know, the quality and, and being an MVP is not. Wait, you guys don't do that in Salesforce? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and even as an MVP, 
you have to be renominated each year. So I've been a Salesforce MVP for three years. I'm in a part of the winter class. So I'll come up again in the winter for, for re-upping, if that's a word. But then my peers will vote on me on whether they think I should stay, continue as an MVP or not. So you don't, you're not guaranteed a life position with that. That's something that you have to continue to. Yeah, this, isn't, no, this isn't the Supreme Court here. There's no tenure. There's no <laughs> MVP tenure. It's not the Supreme Court where you have to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, they did come out with a, um, a different twist on this. So after four years, you can also become an emeritus, which is an interesting twist. And a couple of uh, close friends have taken that route where you can still be an MVP forever, but you won't be an active MVP. So basically they say that after four years, you've done your tour of duty like a, like in the army, I guess. And then they said, you know, you're, you're kind of grant your grandfather. So if you don't want to be an active and so active means you can go to the MVP summit. So if you're emeritus, you don't get to go to the MVP summit every year. You still, I think, get to go to Dreamforce, but um, but you're kind of a um, offline. You're not as active as you were. More than you wanted to know, right? Yeah. But some some nuggets on the MVP program. So the MVPs vote on MVPs. Absolutely. Gets us a secret ballot. Well, you don't get you don't get access to the Google Doc <laughs> if, you're, if you're being on on uh, okay. So, so, you so if, you're, if you're wanting saying. to be an MVP, you have, to, you have to reach out to a lot of MVPs and kind of campaign yourself, right? Yeah, you have to lo- you know, like lobby for lobby. Uh, there yeah. you go. That's the way well, I was looking for. You know, when when you're in that window, they do they do, you do get an email that says, and there's another Google Doc that 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 you list what you do, right? So people because some people may not know that you have a blog, right? And some people may not know that you do a podcast or whatever it is. So, so you basically list the channels that you're active on. Um, and you, so you do get that reminder that, Hey, you might want to, you know, cause you know, you're coming up in the window. You might want to give yourself some credit, mm-hmm. but that's pretty much it. I don't, oh gosh, let's hope that people aren't calling people on the backside and lobbying. I, I, I think, <laughs> I think most of us want to genuinely have, uh, the integrity of that group, um, have the right people. Cause if you don't want to be involved, you know, you don't have to be, it's not right. like and we have people who've been nominated and a year later, they're just gone. Um, so, you know, that was great, but that wasn't what they were looking for. So you've been an MVP for three years, right? Yep. Is, is there anyone there that's been an MVP for longer than that? Yeah. I think there's a five year now because some people took the emeritus role last year. So the emeritus thing came out last year and some people in winter took that route rather than trying to get their honorary discharge. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of, you know, cause it, well, it's to keep that level of contribution up. It is a lot of work. Yeah. I mean whether it's the whiteboards or the blogging or just helping out with the success community. When you get a, a request, the app exchange videos that have helped out the app exchange, you know, running admin zone and speaking at Dreamforce, if you start adding all that up, it's a lot of time. Um, but oh, yeah. that's the expectation is that you're going to be a contributor, not a consumer. Yep. But it's, it's a good club. So what can you tell us about? So I thought about that because we we kind of talked about what I can talk about. So my my thought about that is let's talk about what I learned last year that's now out in the out in the wild and how that how we found out about stuff and how does that kind of happen. So the MVPs um, are getting briefings from the product managers, right? So they're we're learning about analytics or we're looking at, learning about the platform or we're looking about service cloud or whatever it might be. So I can't talk about what we talked about this round, but I can kind of talk about maybe what's already out in the wild that we learned about last year. So last year we learned about wave um, well in advance um, of that being talked about. And it was really interesting. I'll tell you, I think wave is kind of an interesting topic when we were shown it. 
Uh, and I'm going off of memory here, so it might be not exact, but I want to say someone says, so yeah, I get this data set. It's 200 million records. We're all like, uh-oh, where is this going? And they start doing the graphs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, jaws drop because we all know that you, you get into like tens of millions of records in Salesforce, and that's a huge challenge for a right. bunch of reasons. And we're just like, uh-uh. <laughs> There's not 200 million <laughs> records in that table. There's no way because it's just super fast. And But it wasn't. It really didn't have a package yet. It was, it was, and I think even at that point, I think Salesforce was having a, having, I don't know, I wouldn't say struggle, but they're, even they were having challenges communicating to us really what that was. Cause we were trying to get our head wrapped around it. And I right. think they were almost kind of testing the waters on what we thought about that and the market space and what people will be asking. And I think, I don't know, you're at Dreamforce, I think last year too, or, but, even when it hit Dreamforce, I think they were still having problems kind of articulating what that was and what how it really worked and how it's going to be priced and stuff like that. So the summit is not just to try to show you cool stuff. They're looking for feedback. They want you to tell it straight to the product managers, good idea, bad idea, wrong direction. My customers want this, don't want this. Um, I remember another, another analogy or another story I would say is, Aura, which we turned into lightning components. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was really, we think this is a big deal. And, you know, they had aura, just the word aura, I think, on a slide. And I'm like, okay, am I the only one in the room that doesn't know what the hell that is? Because <laughs> I'm not a developer. And like, I'm looking around trying to like to look stupid, right? Because I'm a. I think there's probably a lot of developers that do lightning that may not even know. It's the behind the scenes thing, right? You, I mean, you're working with what was. Lightning is built on the open source framework that's called aura yes. anyway that's right. kind of a rat hole but yeah so you know i think and they're out there kind of testing the waters and and trying to give in but you know it's not fully baked some of this stuff when they're showing it to us it's very i don't say a prototype maybe but it's very early and you know they're looking forward to what they want to hang their hat on at dreamforce and they're looking to see if this is going to excite you or is it not does it confuse you and a lot of that was just how do we articulate this yes. yeah. to another? Cause if, if the MV, MVPs can't get it, <laughs> yeah. that's a problem. Right. <laughs> Cause these guys are usually, you know, I would say top 5% of users and developers and admins and stuff like that. So if we can't get our head wrapped around it, it's going to be tough. Um, so so that's does, a good story. How does that, that feedback work? Is it, do you think, do you think pe- people are understanding it and they're able to provide, you know, meaningful feedback and criticism or at least, you know, how it, how it can be applied? I I applaud Salesforce because they take criticism very well. Um, they you know at first it's very intimidating just to be in there because you got Parker Harris and Shauna Wolverton, the VP of products, and you know the the people right. Yeah, You're right. just blown, right there. It's already just kind of like starstruck. I mean, these are the players at Salesforce that are owning these owning these clouds, and um, but you know that's our role is to is to really tell them what we think and. You know, some things every, every once in a while an MVP would just let somebody have it and you just kind of cringe like, ooh, that was brutal. <laughs> so that does happen then. Oh, yeah. That type of, you know, but, just raw oh, feedback. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, I applaud Salesforce for for having thick skin and taking some stuff on the chin because, you know, they know they screw some stuff up sometimes. And they know some things were not super GA maybe. Um, but... Um, <laughs> It could be worse. They could just try to do a show and tell and, and, and try to tell you this is what it's going to be, but it's not. It's, it can be very conversational. Even at the breakouts and the happy hours afterwards, 
you can walk up to Stephen Tan, the CTO, and when you've talked about Stephen, mm. and I was, I think this is one of the most straight shooter guys out there, and just have a completely honest, frank conversation, um, good, bad, and the ugly, and they they're well receptive to that feedback, and that's the, really the whole idea of the summit. It's not to just ooh ah you and wine and dine you. The feedback is what they want to drive the product pipeline. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also, like, just the messaging aspect. Like, they're not only probably do they want feedback on just, you know, specific aspects or something, but how do we message this in a way that makes sense? Because things like Wave, I mean, just by their nature, they're, it's such a new thing to, at least to the Salesforce ecosystem, that how do we message this in a way that it's going to resonate with people that they're going to understand um, and you guys, I think as MVPs are a really good sounding board for that type of stuff because you're immersed in this ecosystem and you kind of live it every day and what, what better group. And, it, and it's a very diverse group. I mean, honestly, you've got people that are nonprofit oriented. You have consultants that are enterprise level. You have developers that are technical architects. You've got some developers or you've got maybe consultants like myself that work maybe SMB mid-tier all sorts of different yeah. clients and backgrounds. Some of them are ISVs. There's quite a few ISVs that are that are MVPs. Uh, Task Gray and Conga have a lot of representatives, and you know, the, and uh, GeoPoint is another one. Um, Arrowpoint is another company that's that's there that I know of. But all those perspectives are that Salesforce ecosystem. We're customers, we're partners, we're consultants, we're developers, and so you kind of get an interesting mix mm. of background and industries and. Um, you do get a, 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 a very broad um, audience. There's some things that are talked about the MVP, and you guys know that I'm a wicked button click admin, but I cannot write code out of a paper bag. Uh, so, <laughs> but you sell yourself short. Eh, I, I <laughs> I'm know, sure you can write some pretty mean formulas. <laughs> I can write some wicked formulas and validation <laughs> rules, workflow, field updates with a formula. But um, I guess the point I'm making is there's some content that is just way over my head. Right. When we talk about development and stuff mm. like that, I'm just going looking around the room. If anybody else is kind of like, what are you talking about? What right. does that mean? Cause I just, I can't <laughs> hang in some of these conversations, but there's other things where I have very passionate opinions about that is well within my wheelhouse and stuff that I'm dealing with all, all day. And those are the ones that I'll take advantage of giving feedback where I may not be able to give any, any, con, you know, constructive feedback on another topic. Cause it's just not my background. So it do when it comes to feedback, are they driving? Are they presenting things and saying, here's what we're thinking about doing? Give us feedback. Do they give you guys the opportunity to say, post your own topics that you want to give, you know, just say, hey, this new feature sucks or this new feature is great? We have a chatter group going during the presentation where people are sounding off so they don't want to interrupt their presentation, but we'll kind of cue that up. And that's how we do their QA is as people are talking about, like, I didn't get that or, you mentioned this, will it really do this or will it really do that? And so we'll have a chatter group. And so a lot of the Q&A after the presentation will come from that chatter feed. And then a lot of times, then um, that, that chatter group exists after the summit. And so we can continue to have conversations with those product managers in that chatter group to get either more clarification or follow-up questions and stuff like that. So they're, they're capturing all those um, in that. And sometimes we'll run a poll or mm -hmm. whatever just to say, it could be the naming of a product. Okay, we're thinking it's going to be this or this. What do you think? Which is kind of cool. I mean, yeah. they're really looking for feedback and they're capturing that and curating it. And this and that and using Salesforce technologies, chatter. Yeah. <laughs> Not a Google yeah, Docs. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, man, if they use like Slack for that, then it's just a big fail. <laughs> but it's it's more 
Maybe more than you think. And unfortunately, yeah. that, that side of the summit really doesn't come out. But that's, I mean, it is a feedback channel for Salesforce to try to get all these people with all these different perspectives and all these different skill sets and just to fire off. I mean, they're just, and believe me, there are some MVPs that are not shy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great. And well, I, I, like well, I said, that's good I think to hear because I, I think the MVPs are kind of our, our representation, I guess, out here in the community because we don't have that voice. We don't have that direct line. So it's nice to hear that. People are out there and they're, they're, they're not timid about their types of responses that they want to give. They are rabid and passionate. I, th- I think, you know, when we, when we talk about Salesforce and we talk about some of these tweets, we talk about the cheerleading that happens. We hear all how great Salesforce is, how perfect this is and this and that, but you don't, that's not how you grow. That's not how you get better by hearing all those positive things. You, you, you grow and get better by, you know, tackling the challenges that are ahead of you, the problems that you're facing, making those things better. And that's that, what you call it, brand ambassador? or what? Or, I consider ourselves a brand ambassador. Yeah. I mean, I think we're... So it's their, it's their job to present Salesforce in the best light, which I think is kind of a role conflict. Uh, At least for me, it would be. It's like, I mean, I get it, right? I mean, this is a, an important partner, right? And you're also out there selling. I mean, you're selling Salesforce to, right? So obviously, just by your nature and by your activities of your business, you're going you're, you're to be presenting Salesforce in a positive light, but... I don't think I don't I don't think presenting Salesforce in a positive light should conflict with being able to say, "Hey, this feature you came out with did not do what we expected, and it really sucks, and you guys need to fix well, it." Well, I think they do that privately with Salesforce. That's oh, well. There, well, there's a question. I mean how how are the MVPs managed? Are you know are you guys restricted on what you can say? You know, can you be public about how? You know, how the feature is maybe not working for you really well. Depends on if, whether you want to be a, an MVP next year or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, in, we're under NDA. So the main thing is you can't talk about future product. That's 99% of that. Right. But, right. but that aside, you know, new features aside, if, if, if you're just kind of, you're an MVP, you're an ambassador, you're out there trying to, you know, sing the praises of Salesforce. But if you have something that that's not working, we'll, we'll take Process Builder, for an example. <laughs> I love Process Builder, but it's got a lot of problems. It needs to be fixed. You know, as an MVP, are you able to go out and say, you know? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we're critical. I mean, I've, I've have blog posts on my website where I'm like, these features need a makeover. And I think that was one of the blog posts I did where, oh my gosh, let's, where do I start? Yeah. I would like my calendaring to be better. I would like to be able, uh, you know, and we're talking about calendaring, and I always think about, Worst case scenario, which is the administrative assistant that's booking calendars for multiple people. Have you ever tried to book a meeting room in Salesforce? A resource? It's not the greatest. <laughs> or let's talk about the HTML and my other one of my other top two. So here I am being critical. And so I'm absolutely we're critical. <laughs> HTML email <laughs> editor. Those templates have not been in that email editor, and I've been on the platform since 2005, is the same interface. <laughs> Since 2005, <laughs> it's 10 years old. And, you know, you know what you're talking, being a brand evangelist, I hopefully people take that the right way. I mean, I think we pitch Salesforce and we talk about Salesforce because it's what we know and what we like. I mean, let's think about it. All three of us in this room, a lot of our careers are due to that technology. Absolutely. I, I right. stake my mm-hmm. whole company on the fact sure. that I like Salesforce right. and this is what I want to do for a career. But even I'll be on a customer call with an account executive and... Sometimes, you know, we were talking about, yeah, does Salesforce have mass email? Yeah, they can check that box yeah. that has a thousand a day governor limit. And guess what? You know, there's some other things you need to know. And, you know, yeah, and you're not going to have the greatest templates to, to use. And Salesforce for historically has used third-party apps to do that. So, yeah, sometimes you have to say, this is a great platform. And there's some things that 
could use some help. And even, I think, I think that kind of criticism is not. I don't even see that as criticism. I mean, they're just, that's like, they, they're drawing boundaries on what they do and what they don't do. They're not a mass email vendor and the, they're not a bulk email vendor, right? In that case. For some right. very good reasons. Absolutely. For protecting their servers from spam and all that kind of stuff. You can make that argument and they have been very happy to, not to take this down a rat hole on mass email, but, um, but you know, to that, well, the point I was trying to make is that, you know, sometimes I am critical even in front of a Salesforce account executive about trying to be more transparent of, yeah, you can check the box and say you have mass email, but that has a big asterisk next to it, right? Of what mass email could be. And a customer making a buying decision kind of needs to know that. Yeah. So they don't expect that they can send out 20,000 emails in a day. I don't know. Not to yeah. Me. And that's, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. I just want to know, is any, are any of the MVPs asking for namespaces in Apex? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's, Jeremy's going to start like pinging everybody. Can you ask for namespaces? I mean, it's just, it's just hard to take any of those, any of these other new things seriously when you've got well, such see, a gaping hole. Here's what you hole. do, Jeremy. You become an MVP and then you go and you, you go poke and prod the product and you, developers. And you grab Steve and Tam yeah. and go, buddy, help me out. I Give mean, me some love. There's a book called in, you know, Apex Enterprise Patterns, which you know, I'm sure there's some useful things in there, but how do you have enterprise patterns in a language that doesn't even have namespaces? It's, it's such a... Um, it's such a dichotomy. It's like, it's so I'm self-conflicted. You know, it's like, how do you even, how do you even process that? Well, <laughs> well, we have JavaScript too to deal with. So it doesn't I mean, even have data anyway, types. I'm going to start, I'm going to start lobbying my MVPs to, yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately yeah, so we don't get to vote for them. So, you know, I can't say if you want my vote. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to move on because you had something very exciting happen at the MVP summit. Something that's never happened before. If I'm, oh, yes. if I'm uh, saying that correctly. So yeah, I did. I did blog about the MVP summit, but we had a surprise visit from Mark Benioff. And, and I'm surprised that that was his first ever. I, I thought he was just. He's there. hard to book. That's know. the problem because he's in front of customers. He could be. I, I remember one year we had it. I think it was the day earnings came out and he was going to be on, you know, financial calls all day. So good luck trying to get Benny off right. to leave that to come talk to the MVPs. <laughs> Got to talk about deferred revenue. <laughs> uh, that's right. Passes to 10 billion. Did he um, walk in and he's like, <laughs> he's, he's pretty rock star. I gotta tell you, it, you know, and I'm, I don't know if I'm a, like a security freak, but you know, they were, we were doing this break and they were resetting the room and that didn't tip me off. But then they started shuttling us out of the lobby and you know, you kind of get the sense that something was going down, right? Some security. And Benioff has a little, I don't know, maybe I'm reading more into this. So at that point, I go, yep, that's what's going on. Yeah. And then we came back in the room, and it was set up for a Q&A. So, so he, he has his own secret service, so to speak? Well, at Dreamforce, the wow. security is very apparent. Very apparent. But I always you. thought that was because he's hanging out with, you know, all these high-level government officials that he brings in to speak, like Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and whoever else. Well, even... I'll tell you another quick sidebar and come back to the, the summit, but I think it was last year, the Q&A with Mark and Parker, they'd take dogs through the room. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's real. It's a real deal. And then um, we, uh, Geraldine Gray and I got to be on stage with um, Peter Coffey and, and the pre-opening keynote before the, the one with um, Huffington and Neil Young and um, that session anyway. Who's the who's the vice president Gore? Thank you. Gosh, I'm spacing it. <laughs> and to get into that room before the keynote early, oh yeah, you, yeah, that's where you really start seeing that hubbub because they're walking. Well, the that's actually, that's and, actually secret service. You know, you know, if you're talking uh, about Clinton and Gore, and yeah, well, that's true. That may have been. But that. Any, I mean, yeah. any gathering of 
a hundred and something thousand people in a small area. If you need, you, I mean, if you're going to be there, you want, I'm, I'm totally fine with having lots of security there because that's just, you're, you're, you're a setting duck. Oh, I can say kudos to Salesforce. And, you, and when you start thinking of the scale of the event and the organization and how chaotic that could be if it wasn't a well-run, their event management team, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just, even I was talking, I had dinner with a, a Salesforce AE that just got back from Hawaii. And even he was saying, you have a thousand salespeople across two or three hotels and they had buses shuttling every 15 minutes and I mean, super well orchestrated. He goes, you just can't believe they've got event management down to an art. So kudos to the team that yeah. pulls these events off. Because, they need to release some of their tools, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Salesforce they, is lacking some event management. <laughs> no, I think they do Dreamforce extremely well. If you think yeah. of like how big of a scale that event is and that they're doing that. I know I kind of got off traffic about Benioff, but so anyway, so um, we're all sitting down and we're kind of waiting, we're kind of waiting, we're kind of waiting. Then through a back door, he comes in and, you know, the room just goes nuts. You know, we're like, well, <laughs> did you imagine that? <laughs> I imagine a, that. A gaggle of MVPs when Benioff walks in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes in, he's, he's the most unassuming. He's got sneakers. I get some great pictures on the website on shellblock.com. He's wearing a hat or something. He's, he's got, just, well, it's a USCF. It's his, it's the hospital. It's a yeah. Benioff hospital. And he's got the, he's got a hoodie and the, and the hospital hat on jeans, t-shirt, there was nothing flat. If you had saw him just walking down and you didn't really know who Benioff is, you, it would not raise an eyebrow. You yeah. just saw some guy walking to get a coffee and you would have never picked him up. And maybe that's plays well because you don't want to be spotted <laughs> in that. So he comes in and um, so they did a room and they did an event very similar to the Q and a that they have at the um, last day of Dreamforce's tradition. There's an open Q and a and I mean, employees fire off on them. Customers fire off on him. It's really interesting. <laughs> but uh, so I've yeah, that was a big that. Now I'm thinking I shouldn't. It's tough because people are trying to fly out. I know. I have to leave. Like the last time I had to leave like 15 minutes early and I hated to, but I was so nervous that I was going to be, get to the airport. But it's a great session. It's, it's kind of the old true to the core session where people would want to ask. Actually, there's a separate true to the core session. I take that back. This is an open Q&A. There's a true to the core session that Parker does and pulls up a bunch of um, product managers. And the community basically fires off on them. So again, like Salesforce has got thick skin. They yeah. will take. So if you don't do the truth of the course, so I'm looking at Jeremy right now, because I know this is going to be his first Dreamforce. Go to the Q and a with Parker and go to the Parker also does that true to the course session. Um, it was in the Yuba gardens theater, I think last year. And it's, it's good. Cause the product managers just tell you what they can tell you without yeah. getting out too much information. They, they take criticism, if you think about it. So what, what was he there to do? Just do a Q&A, just to say hi, everybody? What, what was his goal? Yeah, it was kind of like open mics. It was a very similar format. So different people got up, and uh, you know, one person made a very emotional thank you about how Salesforce changed your life and all that stuff. And we're all just kind of like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and, you know, it's like, you know, thank you for building this and all the things that you do. And, you know, you give him credit. I mean, he's establish this huge ecosystem of our partners and customers and stakeholders um, that, you know, we, we owe a lot to that. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it, a range of topics. I can't get into all the topics because some of the topics aren't worth talking about. What I could yeah. talk about, I talked about on the blog, but I can't <laughs> talk about all the stuff that was, because I don't think the expectation was it was an open, this is a closed door conversation. So I can't, you know, get into every little stuff. What sure. I could share, I shared that were innocuous. Yeah, that's cool. But it was, he spent over an hour with us. Um, 
I mean, I could tell the Neil Young story if you want to hear hear that, but yeah. uh, the Neil Young story is pretty good. Uh, it was kind of it was, it was hilarious actually. So we're about fifteen minutes into the conversation, and Mark's like kind of mid sense, and then he looks at his watch. And he goes, "Neil Young's calling me," and uh, he, he gets his. And we're like, so he did. He was wearing his watch. Right? He was wearing his watch. Did you happen to notice if he had his Fitbit on at the same time? I've been curious about this. <sighs> You'd have to check. The, I could go back in my photo. Roll. I'm gonna have to look at the pictures. I, I took, don't know if he's wearing both. I mean, he's an investor in Fitbit. He has to. I took like 300 pictures, and I had to get it down to about 50 for the website. But so he pulls out his phone, and you tell he's kind of giddy because it is kind of cool that you know some rock stars calling in. He, it, oh, he loves pic- it. He loves <laughs> getting that, that attention. Oh, he, was, he was smiling. <laughs> my the buddy whole time. Neil's calling me, man. <laughs> And, God, he just uh, won't leave me alone. <laughs> there's a there's a really great photographer, uh, and I guess it's a separate story. It should not take too much time. But anyway, so he's got the microphone up to his cell phone, and he's got Neil Young on speakerphone. And I caught a little bit of the conversation, but it was basically, Mark, where are you? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of conversation. And Mark's kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's Neil Young. <laughs> and I, I don't know if he's just trying to show off or just prove that it really was Neil Young. No, but... Benny F would never show off. <laughs> <laughs> do that. And so, uh, so the citizen assistant runs runs over and, and sees Mark's kind of like, can you handle this for me? Yeah. You know, because because I'm in the middle of this conversation, and so the, so his assistant's walking away, and he starts singing, "Old man, look at my life." Starts doing the <laughs> song, and so everybody starts laughing, and then Parker, not to be outdone, grabs his cell phone and goes, oh, "Excuse me, it's the president." And so trying to trying to one up Mark, and it's right. just more laughter in the room. And so yeah. yeah, it was great. Neil Young calling in the middle of the MVP. <laughs> it was fun. So how long do you think you'll keep doing the MVP thing? Ooh, man, that's it. Uh, no intentions of, of slowing down, though, at this point? I might take the emeritus route. Yeah. Um, so I'll, if I get the fourth year... Um, so ShellBlack.com is a company. We're a consulting partner of Salesforce. And that has grown a lot over the last five years. And when business was slow and it was just me, when I started off the company, I had lots of time to do things. Sure. <laughs> like blog. <laughs> right. and you didn't have as much client work. So now that we've got... Um, you know, I'm responsible for the livelihood of a lot of people now mm-hmm. and uh, keeping that momentum going because people are joining shellback.com. You don't, that's becoming quickly becoming my focus now, yeah. right? Is, is the responsibility of running a company. It's not just me anymore or two guys in a garage, whatever you look at. So is it, it will be tough because I love speaking at Dreamforce. I love doing Shellblack whiteboard. I love doing the blog. I love the community is the best non-family family yeah i mean there's some incredible mm-hmm. friends that i've created um we've there's a group of mvps there's about four of us that are all in the same boat that we run our own business and we have we once once a month we get together and do a google hangout and we just sit on the couch and we talk about our our business you know how we do conversation how we you know scoping projects whatever that resource of other entrepreneurs trying to run a business came out of the mvp community so that, I mean, things like that would be really hard and those are the really weird benefits you get out of those of those relationships because of the program that that's, you know, more important than the swag. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, those relationships are key. It could be business relationships, partners or whatever. So we'll see. Um, I'll have to reevaluate when I come up to the four year mark. Cause I could, if I want to, I can gracefully bow out and yeah. be an emeritus. So the, the pull of running a company is definitely tugging hard right now. Yeah. Cause it's a lot of effort. Yep. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, and I was actually just looking at the list of, of MVPs. Now the new ones, I didn't really recognize that many, but you know, like, um, just going through the list, like, uh, in fact, the, the guy who wrote the, um, the apex enterprise patterns, who was that? 
Mm, That's, um, um, was that was that uh, Andrew Fawcett from uh, Financial Force, or was that Nolte? No, was no. it? I could be wrong, but anyway, um, both actually both those guys, but tequila guy? um, are super helpful. Um, mm. Let's see. Uh, I don't, our do buddy it. Matt Morris is new this year, right? Yeah, Matt's there. Yeah. Matt loves this podcast. Stephen Stephen Herod. Um, He's an awesome guy. He does the um, uh, code coverage code podcast coverage with yeah. Matt Lacey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So those, uh, those guys are always uh, doing useful things. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I've been scrolling through this list. There's. It seemed you know it's not it's no surprise when you see the names on the list, right? There's some, I mean, there's some intimidating people there, sure. you know, and as we've all said before, cause we've done a lot of working with, if someone ever comes up to you and says they know everything about Salesforce, they're the, they don't, yeah, right. it's just doesn't exist. Right. They're an instant it's, liar. Yeah. Instant liar. Cause <laughs> the platform's too big. There are some people there that just know so much that you're just intimidated. Um, you know, because someone says, yeah, you know, they're giving feedback to Salesforce says, yeah. So I've got a customer community with 40,000 members. And I'm like, Whoa, wow. <laughs> they're like leveraging a platform to the hilt. And yeah. they got some big, you know, there's a, a, an admin there for like Honeywell or something like that. I forget some of the things that she was saying. I was like, the number she was dropping was, was like, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that is a big org. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so they, they, you know, these people and they handle it and they're doing architecture on this stuff. And so, yeah, there's, there's some people out there that are just phenomenal on the platform that are doing some crazy cool stuff. That's cool. So speaking of swag, what'd you get? <laughs> so, uh, um, and what co- don't you want mug. from that swag bag that I could have? <laughs> <laughs> I brought you a couple of things. Oh, uh, you know, I also brought you some trailhead stickers too. So oh. some little things that would fit in my bag. I have yet I, to go out and earn my trailhead. I felt really bad. Uh, it's a very, um, so Adam, oh my gosh, I hope I don't miss, is it Seligman? Seligman? Adam oh, who runs Seligman. Yeah. Yeah. So he runs the kind of developer evangelism mm-hmm. and also now the admin, like Mike Gerholt. Um, rolls up under the admin evangelism runs up, rolls up under him, I believe. Um, he did a, an, an, he's a super popular with the MVPs and he spoke second day and there's a picture of him wearing his little raccoon hat on the, on the website, on the, on the blog on the summit. And I had no idea how much that trail, the trail had just has taken off on fire and people were just badge crazy. And there's like 21 badges now. And the, People were raising their hands. How many badges do you have? And I'm like, oh crap, I'm not raising my hand. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt really bad. Um, but there's some people just watching the hands go up in that room. I was really impressed. And they gave some stats of how fast it just got announced at Dreamforce and it's taken off. And I think they're trying to get 10,000 trailhead people really quick. I mean, they're on a great trajectory. Yeah. It's been evidently a well, well received program. And it's different than Salesforce University. It's, a, it's kind of a different program from instructor led and certification. It's, it's more of, well, it's a game. I mean, it's, yeah. it's gamified training. Yeah. I have a lot of untapped badges. <laughs> I see those coming <laughs> across. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> every, every time I get a badge, I'm like, Oh crap, that went to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I see those when you're supposed to be working. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they've, they've done a great job with that program. I had no idea how fast it's catching on. So it must tell you it's popular, right? It's just yeah. phenomenal. I've never used it. And yeah. I feel bad. I felt bad because all these MVPs had done it. I'm like, wow, I must be working too hard because I don't raise my site enough to see what other people are doing. And I, I haven't made, I haven't, don't have a trailhead yet. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't done it, but evidently it's hot. I see a lot, a lot of people posting about it, but yeah, I haven't looked at it. They're, 
it's a big pro they're invested in it and it's going to continue to grow and they're going to add more modules. So I wonder, I mean, will that, I wonder if that will eventually subsume some of the other educational things. If it's a more fun way to learn the questions, I guess, is it effective and comprehensive way to learn? Like, I think it's a great way to kind of get trained and kind of get some recognition for that, but I don't think it's going to replace a formal certification. Yeah. I have a, kind of a training background and everybody learns a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I like instructor led learning, self-paced learning. Sometimes I get distracted. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm a little ADD and I just can't hang in there long enough, but it, for this older generation, instructor led is more popular. <laughs> and I'm just saying I might be a little older, but for the younger generation, the gamification of that, I think yeah. plays well. And they're really looking at getting this education pattern pushed down lower and lower and lower to younger people to get, Maybe instead of taking a Java class, you'll take an Apex class or something yeah. like that, which yeah. might sound crazy, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's Salesforce is one, I don't know. I'm not sure the statistic is a top 10 software platform in the world now. I mean, it's, it's no small potatoes. So it's well, they're like the be, fifth largest software company, right? I mean, they're, I think so. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. yeah. However, Apex of, hasn't ranked on, on the most desirable languages, at least not by <laughs> stack overflow, yeah. that survey we talked about, but no, no, maybe they'll change next year. And if, if Apex changes, maybe. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Which you can always hope. There's always hope. Well, so <laughs> I have to compliment you on your blog post because um, you took an actual camera <laughs> to the MVP summit. You didn't You didn't torture us with grainy uh, iPhone photos you took with your bad SL, lighting. your SLR out there? I took an SLR out there. Um, and, and it's kind of a pain because it's, it's a big bag. Yes. It's a big camera. It's clunky and you're dragging it around. And... Um, but, you know, I always, well, I have always last, for all the summits, I've done some kind of recap and I've had a camera to try to get some better photos because there's now like 150 MVPs. So you may be way back in the room yeah. <laughs> trying to get a shot. Yeah. So, I, I, I managed to catch you on a, a lot of the pictures. Yeah, I got, I got tweeted. Um, oh gosh, is it Charlie Isaacs? Isaacs? I forget. Um, oh shit, gosh, I can't, I'm, I'm so bad at names. But he had had a picture of me with Parker in a discussion, I was like, yes, it's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Any, uh, closing thoughts on MVP? What's coming up? Nothing. NDA. Yeah. NDA. <laughs> well, it's really just Hashtag the product. NDA. <laughs> it's the product stuff, right? I mean, uh, I don't, like I said, some of the stuff I think is non yeah. forward looking stuff. It's just how we work as a group. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to encourage people to to go for MVP. It's not like they're trying to keep keep it where you don't know the criteria and stuff like that are becoming. Can one. the number just grow, or is it there's are there a certain number of spots? Great question. Um, Salesforce will grow the number if they think the quality of the individual is there. So there's no cap that says we can only have 150 MVPs or something like that. If we had 300 people that the community thought was worth having, we'd have 300. Yeah. So they're they're not. At least that's my understanding. There's, they're not suppressing that number. It's just we're waiting for all to bubble up. It's growing slowly over time. I think it's. I think it would be beneficial to keep it small enough that, like you, you could still you could actually know all the MVPs. You know that's come up too, where yeah. people were wondering if there's it's too big of a group. But the diversity is great. Yeah. Um, even women developers. Um, oh gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start spacing the names. Uh, Carolina, she's been on Button Click Admin, and she's out of Spain. Actually, I think she actually works for Tequila, maybe Tequila in the UK, but she's Spanish, and she's just a fireball. Mm. Uh, but 
just a di- diversity in that group is great because you get a bigger audience. Yeah. Um, in that, but um, oh, gosh, I know I should be That's better cool, on my names of people, yeah. but yeah, I was struggling. There's there's probably twenty MVPs that I know really well now after three years, and there's a lot of people I don't know well at all. Right. Because you, I just we're all working and doing our own thing. It's freshman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh-huh. is that uh, is that That's it? That's all I got. Thanks so, for having thank me. You. Yeah, thank oh, you for man. coming on. Do you have anything uh, coming up that you want to promote or or uh, talk about or? Um, what do we get new whiteboards? Oh, that's a good question. So, <laughs> it's for those of the, you that don't know. I actually film a bunch of those all at the same time. So I rent a studio for a day and try to maximize the cost. Yep. Right. So people are like, so next month is why new are you whiteboard? wearing the same shirt? It, <laughs> that's my time. uniform. That's <laughs> my <laughs> uniform. Um, a non-white shirt. I wear a blue shirt every time because it's not a pattern or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of. It's kind of my uniform, uh, like Mister Rogers. Like um, your your Steve Jobs uh, turtleneck, right? <laughs> Right. Or my hoodie and I'm Facebook. Um, Zuckerberg. Um, so I have to kind of wait until I feel like I have enough content that I feel like I want to talk about. So maybe we'll do cases or something like that. We haven't gotten to service cloud at all. Um, so when I feel like I have enough topics to talk about and kind of book a full day, then I'll, I'll go shoot. So maybe every six, nine months I'll do that. We've got about, we've got three hours of content now, I think 27 or 28 videos. And, um, so, been, so for people who don't know, these are videos that you make that are instructional about Salesforce that are completely free. They're at chillblack.com. Yep. We have our YouTube channel. Um, and it's, it's freakish. Um, how many people are watching that for such a niche thing where yeah. it's not like some viral cat video or something like that, right. but. Well, there's an idea. Just you just could cat. incorporate cats and just get the cat to draw on the whiteboard. <laughs> catter, if you don't know, anyway, um, catter. get no. your catter badge. I think I have a catter badge. Um, so we've had. Uh, I could look. You could go look at the stats of the. I think we have sixty thousand views, over a quarter million minutes of videos watched. After wow, wow, which tells you, and it's interesting because I'll talk to folks that are in the Salesforce community, and I've had customers. I was telling John this. We had a very like ginormous company cold call me about three weeks ago, uh, where a guy was in charge of reworking the sales process for a company, and he goes, "Yeah, I just started googling and I found you and I watched all your videos." And he cold called me and it, like made your fortune. I don't want to yeah, say it, that's awesome. Client, I was like, so I got I've actually had a lead or some leads off that, but it's interesting. Clients have seen it. Yeah. Um. So it's a, it it is it's actually had some extra benefits that I hadn't really anticipated. It's awesome. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So maybe in a year, maybe before Dreamforce, I'll try to crank a couple more out. All good stuff. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've hit our allotment of time. Call it a day. Thanks for uh, joining us. Oh, Shall man. I've loved it. Yeah. Have you back sometime? Shall, how would you like to sign us off with my with our <laughs> signature catchphrase? <sighs> I like it when you do it. <laughs> and day, to sir. that, I say, good day, sir. <laughs> there you go. Good day, sir. MVP Summit 2015. Tweet hashtag. They should try writing some software.